The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. God tells us here uh, in His Word not to worry. He says, he says to us, actually He's warning us about uh, the sin of worrying. And again, uh, how many of us confess often the sin of worrying? A lot of times what we think is we never even say that worry is a sin because worry has become a common part of our lives. I'm worried about tomorrow. I'm worried about today. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And uh, boy, uh, uh, worrying is a sin, and God tells us not to worry, but we do it anyway. Uh, God tells us not to uh, take thought about these things or be anxious about these things, but we find ourselves anxious. If I was to give you some statistics, they'd be baffling to you about how debilitating, how uh, incredibly uh, uh, terrible uh, this is taking over our culture and people in it as far as anxiety and worry, uh, which leads to depression and all kinds of other things that cause people uh, to uh, lose their minds, literally, uh, because their minds are not stayed on the Lord. They're stayed on their things. They're stayed on the events. They're stayed on uh, things happening around them, their circumstances. And Jesus, again, he's coming off of this, this parable of the rich farmer because he had too much. Uh, Jesus said here that the disciples might be tempted to worry because they didn't have a lot. I mean, how many of you, when you read that about the guy that had so much that he had to build more barns, you say, well, I'm on the other side. I'm not worried about keeping all my stuff. Uh, I'm worried about the fact that I don't have anything. I'm worried about that I don't have very much. Uh, I'm worried uh, about what it is that I need, but I don't feel that I'm, I'm uh, having those needs met. Notice uh, these disciples uh, had cause to worry as far as what we're looking at. I mean, think about it. They gave up all they had in order to follow Christ, didn't they? You with me tonight? They gave up everything they had in order to follow Jesus. Now, here's the thing tonight. As we call ourselves disciples of Christ, I haven't done that, have you? I haven't given up everything I have to follow Jesus. They left their homes. They left their families. Uh, They didn't have a place to lay their head. Uh, They didn't have more than a sack on their back. Uh, They didn't have their next meal planned. Uh, They didn't have anything. And they were just following Jesus from place to place to place. And uh, boy, they had cause, at least from our perspective, to worry. I mean, if that was you, and you didn't know where your next meal was coming from, would you worry? I mean, we worry about more than that. We've got cupboards full, and and maybe not of the things that we prefer, uh, but we have things, at least in the cupboards. We have things in the refrigerator, maybe things that we wouldn't want to eat, or maybe things we should have thrown out a long time ago. Uh, But we've got some things at at least, and they're there. And uh, we're not worried about our next meal, but we're worried about everything that this world has taught us to worry about. Let me give you just three things about worry tonight. Number one, uh, the destructive power of worry. Worry has a destructive power. It destroys us. Jesus uh, says in verse number 22, he says, take no thought. Uh, that little phrase there, take, take no thought, it has to do with being anxious, has to do with being worried, and what it literally means is to be torn apart. You have that? Put that up there for them. To be torn apart is what uh, being anxious, what being worried uh, actually means. And uh, in um, the next phrase, I want you to see that in verse number 29, uh, it says, And seek not uh, ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of what? Neither be ye of what? Verse 29, look at it, look in your Bibles. 
Everybody awake tonight? Everybody's all right? Some of you look zombified, all right? Verse 29, the last two words, doubtful what? Mind. That phrase means to be held in suspense. So to be torn apart, to be held in in uh, suspense, here's a picture kind of of a ship being tossed in a storm. Uh, We're held in suspense. We're being torn, literally torn apart. That's what worry does to us. That's what God is telling us. He's saying, hey, listen, worry will literally tear the ship apart. It will hold you in place. It will keep you from moving forward. Being in a storm, it keeps the ship from moving. It causes it to be tossed. It holds it in place, but at the same time, tears it apart. It's an amazing uh, uh, thing. And, and, and boy, even uh, seasoned sailors are afraid when they get one of those kind of storms that, that's literally going to tear the ship apart. Uh, and here's the thing. When we worry, we're literally allowing our life to be torn apart. But we're doing it willfully. We're willing uh, to do this to let it be torn apart. Uh, The word worry comes from an old Anglo-Saxon word that means to strangle. And so the word worry uh, literally means to strangle you. It cuts off your circulation. It cuts off uh, the oxygen flow. Uh, Sometimes, have you ever done something stupid because you were worried? Ever say something stupid because you were worried? Ever act in a way that was foolish uh, because you were worried, and then you look back and you go, why did I do that? Why did I behave that way? And you were being anxious. You were being worried. Uh, you were allowing your circumstance, you were allowing what was happening around you to control you, to hold you in suspense, to tear you apart. And boy, when people feel that way, it's just like survival kicks in, doesn't it? We fight and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, claw and, uh, and, and fight for our lives because we're so worried about things. And worry is destructive. Corey Tin Boom said this, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It simply empties today of its strength. It's a great statement. In other words, uh, when I'm worried about something, it doesn't change the outcome of tomorrow. As a matter of fact, worry literally accomplishes nothing but destroying me. It doesn't put more money in the bank. It doesn't put more food on the table. It doesn't allow me to have the mindset uh, to, if you would, to sort out the problem, uh, to be able to use my mind to allow the Holy Spirit to uh, lead me. Doesn't God lead us to make wise decisions? And he wants us to make wise decisions. Worry will keep you from the ability to make a wise decision. It will destroy your ability as the Holy Spirit leads you to discern and to make the right decision about what to do, what to say, how to respond. Because worry wrecks us. It destroys us. Um, Do you have any cause for being worried? I mean, a lot of us, we could go through the list tonight. We could say, I've got a lot of causes for being worried. We always have a reason to be worried. Jesus wasn't telling the disciples they had no reason to be worried. He was simply telling them that they shouldn't be worried, that they should stop worrying, that they should consider, if you would, the reason why, as Christians, we don't worry, and that is because we are supposed to have faith in God. Uh, Worry has a destructive power. Number two, worry has a deceptive power, a deceptive power. Um. When we're worried about things, we're easily deceived. Um, It's it's amazing how many people worried about their finances get easily deceived into schemes and traps and scams. As a matter of fact, there's a whole market out there that preys on worried people. 
When people get into debt, they'll do anything because they're so worried and they'll take the first person that comes along and says, I'll get you out of debt. Uh, You know, if it sounds too good to be true, usually it is. But a lot of times people are saying, hey, listen, I'll get you out of the situation you're in. I'll bail you out. I'll get you. And, and, and boy, as, as, as grandma taught us, right, nothing's for free. Uh, you've got to pay. You know, we live in that buy now, pay later society, and people get themselves into trouble, and they're like, let me get out of this as quickly as possible to take the first scam, the first scheming person that comes along. And boy, there's people in this world that just prey on worried people. They really do. Uh, There's people right now in the name of Christ and religion that stand in pulpits that are preying on anxious people. They're saying, hey, listen, if you just do, if you just give, if you just sacrifice, if you just give me all your seed money, all the stuff that you have, God's going to bless you and bail you out of all your problems. Well, that's a lie. But notice people that are in those positions are easily scammed And the reason is, is because worry has such a deceptive power. It causes us to be easily deceived. It gives us a false view of life. It gives us a false view of itself. And it gives us a false view of who God is. Now think about this. Worry convinces us that life is made up of what we have. It convinces us of this. I mean, we think, man, if I don't have something, I need to be worried. If I don't have this... Uh, sometimes we worry about things that we don't have that we don't even need. But we worry about them, don't we? Do I have this? Do I have Anybody ever worry about whether you left your phone or your wallet or your whatever? Sometimes, boy, we just worry. Have anybody worried about whether you unplugged that uh, uh, you, uh, thing before you left the house? Worried about whether you locked the place and everything's going to be rid? You know, did you set the alarm? Did you lock your car? Did you remember this? I mean, some of the things that we worry about, it, and you know what? It's, it's amazing because uh, there's times where um, I'm looking at people in God's house, and I'm even preaching a message like this on worry, and they're sitting there worried. They're worried. They're worried about what I'm going to say. They're worried about all these other things. And by, by the way, if you notice, they just can't keep their mind off of them. Just always mind is on these things they're worried about. Worry is destructive. Worry is deceptive. Worry convinces us that life is made up of what we eat and what we wear. That that's all that life is. You say, that's not true. Then why are people spending so much money on food and clothes? It snows. We worry. Go to the supermarket. What's missing? Bread, eggs, milk. It's a joke almost, right, that we have in this world because we're so afraid. There's nothing wrong with being prepared, but worry never gets me to a position of preparation. It just gets me in a position of deceptiveness where I think something's going to happen to me that's not even going to happen to me. It's kind of like when we used to lay awake at night afraid of the dark. We were afraid of the unknown. We were afraid of what might happen to us because we're worried about something that's not even there. Are you with me? I mean, uh, uh, we're worried that something might happen to us. If you go through life worried about those things, you say, well, that's being, we have different words for it. We call it cautious. We call it concerned. Uh, we, We call it, you know, just taking thought. And God says, take no thought. And what's he saying? He's not saying don't think. He's saying, think on the right things. And, and does not God tell us what to think on? What sort of things are what? True. 
What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are honest, just, pure, of good report, right? He tells us to think on these things. If your mind is being consumed with worry because you've been deceived into thinking that our lives are what we wear and what we eat, notice what he says. He says it's more than what you put on. It's more than what you eat. We get so concerned about the means that we totally forget about the end. I mean, think about it. What is the end? What is the purpose of our lives? To bring glory to God. Should that not be the end of all that we do as Christians? That the end is to bring honor and glory to God. Now, I believe that the means to the end is important. In other words, how we get there is also important. But in the end, God is supposed to get the glory from our lives. But sometimes we get so caught up with the means of life that we forget about the end of life. Is that not the culture that we live in? So concerned about the means, not thinking about the end. Not thinking about what my life is here for, what the purpose of life, and here's the thing, I'm not just talking about lost people, I'm talking about Christians tonight. Not even concerned one bit. They approach every situation with what am I allowed to do? What can I do? What's, uh, what am I liberated to do? In a sense of, instead of approaching a situation of saying, what brings glory to God? Does this decision honor the Lord? Does it bring glory to God? That is supposed to be the end of all things. It is a purpose the, the, or the reason why we've been created, is it not? That we would bring honor and glory to God. And worry convinces us that life is made up of what we eat and what we wear. Uh, let me make this statement. There's a great difference between making a living and making a life. There's a great deal of difference. Some people make a living, but they don't make a life. Some people have a house, but they never make a home. You with me? Some people are just existing. They're dwelling in a house, but they're not living in a house. They're not making a life for themselves. They're just making a living. Don't get so, so concerned with making a living that you fail to make a life, that you, uh, you don't have a life. Uh, not only does worry convince us that life is made up of what we have, but worry blinds us to the world around us and the way God cares for his creation. Worry blinds us. We said worry is deceptive. It blinds us. It keeps us from seeing what God wants us to see. It keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. It keeps us from going where God wants us to go. Think about Abraham when God was called. The Bible says that he went out not knowing whither he went. Anybody ever been worried about leaving a place without directions? Going to a place without directions? Imagine going to a place not without directions, but without a destination. That's insane. Why would you leave a place not knowing where you're going? Uh, we don't like not having directions. Abraham didn't have a destination. God said go, and he said yes. You said that takes faith. It does. But how many of us would have been worried? We've been worried. What is, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my stuff? What's going to happen to all these things? You say, that's not the life God's calling me to. God may not be calling you to leave to an unknown destination tonight, but God is calling all of us to live a life of faith. Let's be clear on that. He is calling all of us to live by faith. 
God wants us to live that way because that's what brings honor and glory to God. Worry keeps us from living by faith. Worry blinds us to the world around us. It keeps us from seeing God's world. It only helps us to see our world. You ever have a problem with that? I do. I only see my world and I miss God's world. My world's very small. God's world's very big. And a lot of times for the small picture... I miss the big picture. Anybody with me on that tonight? I don't see what I should see. How many times did Jesus say to his own disciples, look, look, pay attention, look up here, pay attention. Some of you thought I was talking to you, just woke up. Uh, 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 Pay attention. He's saying, look up here, pay attention. He's saying, look at the world that's around you that I'm trying to give you eyes to see, that I'm trying to uh, tell you you need to have compassion and look, lift up your eyes, look on the field. What's he saying? Look at my world. You will never look at God's world as long as you're worried about your world. Because we think that everything is about our world, when really it's all about God's world. God makes the flowers beautiful. He feeds the unclean, ra- uh, unclean ravens who have no ability to sow or reap. Cannot God take care of those that he has given the ability to work? God's given us the ability to work. He hasn't given the ravens that, but he takes care of them. God takes care of those who cannot take care of themselves. Do you believe that tonight? I believe that. We who can take care of ourselves, why are we worried that God won't take care of us? I think we think because God made us that we could take care of ourselves that he doesn't want to take care of us. God wants to care for us. The Bible says to cast all your care on him because he what? Because he cares for you. You know, Jesus wasn't suggesting that we sit around and let God feed us. For the birds themselves work hard to stay alive, don't they? I mean, they make their nests. They're constantly looking for food. But he encourages us to trust him and cooperate with him in using the abilities he's given us for his glory. Uh, The third thing about worry and its deceptive power is that worry even blinds us to itself. You see, worried people still say, I'm not worried. They're worried, but they're blind to their own worry because worry blinds us to itself. It keeps us from seeing that we are worried. We can get to the place where we actually think that worry is good. You know, I see people that actually, like, they they wear that like a badge of honor. That's a good thing to be a worried person. It's a good thing. Again, we use different words. Concerned. We, We give it cautious. Really, it's worry and we've not rid ourselves of that by living by faith. In uh, Luke 12, 25, look at it. And which of you, uh, with taking thought, can add to his st- stature one cubit? Jesus pointed out that our words don't add one extra minute to our lives or one extra inch to our height. The rich uh, farmer's uh, fretting did not lengthen his life, did it? The rich farmer worried. The rich farmer was cautious. The rich farmer was concerned. The rich farmer was looking at all that he had and trying to plan for the future. Did it add one single minute to his life? It did not. As a matter of fact, he missed life, didn't he? He missed the point. People can worry themselves into the hospital, and they can worry themselves into the grave. It's the truth. 
Once again, Jesus is here, as, as we talked about last Sunday night, is, is arguing from the lesser to the greater. If God feeds the birds, He will surely feed His children. If God feeds them, He's going to feed us. If God takes care of them, He's going to take care of that. If He beautifies the plants that grow up one day and are cut down the next, He will clothe His own people. Here's the thing. The problem is not His little power, for He can do anything. The problem has always been our little faith. It's not what Jesus said constantly. O ye of what? Little faith. God has never had little power. God has always had unlimited power. He can do all things. Do we believe that tonight? He can do all things. He can do anything. I'm not worried tonight. Say, well, uh, what are we going to do? You know, uh, we had so many people here this morning, and we were talking about all the great things, great problems that that caused. Those are good problems, by the way. You know, for some people, they think that's a bad, that's a terrible problem. What are we going to do now? There's not going to be room for us because all of them. Some people, when they come to church, they have an us-them mentality. There's us, and then there's them. If we're not careful as a Sunday night crowd tonight on Easter because we didn't go somewhere else and we happened to come back tonight, we think it's us against them. That is not the way this life works. As a matter of fact, we're privileged the fact that we get to be together tonight and spend this time. And it's not that we should sit around and be worried about the future. It's that we should be thankful that we have something to do with our lives. That God has given us something special. God has given us something extraordinary. Isn't it amazing sometimes how small things can be? But at a closer look at things that are small, how unique and extraordinary and special they truly are. God has made some wonderful things, hasn't he? We, if we take a moment just to look at them, again, it's our world and God's world, and worry causes us just to focus on our own world. Nobody worried about their own world is ever going to do anything of impact in God's world. Worry is blind to itself. And then lastly, as far as its destructive We said it's destructive power, deceptive power. It's deformative. It's deformative power. Look at verse number 30. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Here's its deformative power. It it means it keeps us from, it deforms us. Rather than forming us, it deforms us in life. It keeps us from growing. It keeps us from growing. Worry will hinder your Christian growth. It will keep you from maturing in the Lord. But grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. When is that supposed to stop? Never. I don't care how long you've been saved, how many years you went to church, how many positions you filled, how many times you served. It does not matter tonight. It doesn't matter uh, I'm the pastor tonight. It doesn't matter we are all supposed to grow, all of us. And worry keeps us from growing. You know, it's the truth. You'll never take a step. Faith is what helps us grow. and Worry keeps us from te- taking steps of faith. Um, I think it's interesting sometimes as uh, I think about, I don't know about you, but uh, I think about in the last year, um, we didn't have a choir to worry about. We didn't have some of the things that we're looking at and worried about. We didn't have some of the problems 
uh, that we had. As a matter of fact, uh, about four and a half years ago when my family and I came, we didn't really have any people. This is about uh, the Sunday morning crowd that we had. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean tonight. I'm just trying to say, isn't it amazing sometimes how our perspective can really change? It's kind of like how when you used to live in that small apartment and then you moved into the house, you weren't worried about some of the things you're worried about today because you've got more today than you had then and we worry about more things. Isn't it amazing how we never have enough? Because that's what worry does to us. And, uh, you know, if we're not careful, we get to the place to where we're too comfortable. And uh, Ivan, uh, this morning, I said, Lord, I'm looking forward to all that what's going to happen this morning, and I'm thankful for all that did happen. And I said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm afraid uh, if we get too good at stuff that we'll start relying on ourselves. I, don't get me wrong. I'm all about excelling. I'm all about growing. I'm all about doing things the best we can do. Them. But it's sometimes bad when we are not willing to let God shake us, stir us. Where we get to the point to where I don't want to get to the point to where, well, I've preached long, uh, long enough years that I can just get up and do it, and I don't need God. Bend my knee tonight just like I did this morning, no matter what the crowd. And I said, God, I need you tonight. I need you every hour. I need you. I need you. I need you. And uh, boy, may we never get to the point as God's church where we don't say that to him and mean it, and know it's true, that we need him. Sometimes we can look at things as being less important. Again, I'm so glad for the perspective of Jesus Christ, aren't you? Because he did not treat the upper room different than he treated the feeding of the 5,000. As a matter of fact, the intimate times, the smaller times, the closer times, they were even more special. They were even much more important in preparation for what God was going to do with his church. Worry is deformative. It keeps us from growing. Get this, it makes us live like the unsaved world. Worry makes us live like the unsaved world. What's the difference between a Christian and a lost person? A Christian walks by faith and a lost person walks by sight. They live by what they can see, by what they understand, by what they know, and only those things. But a Christian lives by faith, don't we? But when we worry, we don't live by faith. When we worry, we live just like lost people do. And by the way, here's the truth. When I worry, I behave just like lost people do. We all do. Or, hey, hey, we may not change the way we dress. We not change our music. We might change all that stuff that we think that makes us Christians, but boy, our attitude is just exactly the same, isn't it? And it's, it's just God looks at our heart. Our attitude is so much more important to him than all the stuff that we put on. As a matter of fact, doesn't this passage tell us that our clothes are not very important to God, but we've made them of utmost importance. We think it's the most important thing that we do. It keeps us from growing. It makes us live like the lost world, and then it is unchristian. In short, worry is a sin. How can we witness to a lost world and encourage them to put faith in Jesus Christ if we ourselves are doubting God and worrying? This morning, um, I was walking by, uh, and everybody was kind of enjoying the breakfast and fellowship, and I'd spent a few moments 
uh, in prayer and kind of grabbed my things. And I noticed uh, one of um, uh, the men that have been coming, Pedro, uh, has, has been coming for, uh, I guess, since January. And uh, he's been coming and been listening and been coming and been listening. And I just saw him kind of sitting there. He's reading his Bible. So I kind of just slipped down the aisle and sat down next to him this morning. And I said, hey, Pedro, how you doing? And, and he started to talk to me. And uh, he, sa- he shared some, uh, some amazing things, a, a really great testimony about how God has used uh, the word of God being preached and the testimony of other Christians in this church. But God has literally, he said, changed my life. He said, I don't look at things the way I used to look at things. He says, I don't do the things that I used to do. He said, since January, I haven't touched a drop of liquor. He said, and my whole life was about liquor. He said, my whole life was controlled by it. And he says, I have not touched it since I came to Jesus Christ. He says, as a matter of fact, I don't even want it. He said, when I talked to my family, it was such a great part of my life. He said that they think that I still do it at night when nobody can see. He said, they don't even believe me. He said, but here's the truth. He said, my dad used to call me. And he said, I wouldn't give him any time. Wouldn't listen to him, wouldn't pay attention to him, wouldn't spend an hour with him, wouldn't do anything that he needed help with. He said, he's older, he needs help. He said, he used to call me all the time, but he said, because of alcohol, I had no time for him. He says, as a matter of fact, I had no time for anybody but myself. He said, now I don't have that. And he said, I have more time than I know what to do with. He says, it's amazing how much time I have. He said, I have time for church. I have time to worship God. I have time to read his word. I have time for my family. He said, pray for me, pastor. I'm going back to uh, Peru in May for a couple of weeks, and I'm going to witness to my entire family, and I want them to come to Christ. I thought, here's a man that God has literally changed his life. And I thought, that's what we're here for. That's exactly what I want to continue to be about here. That God would provide a place where people could come that are a mess and can be made whole. That God can help people because we believe that he can. I, I, I shared with him, I said, I said, Pedro, let's just pray together. He said, I'd love to do that. We got down and we prayed together and we prayed for his family. And we prayed. He said, please, uh, he said, I'm not foolish. He says, I know I'm just a man. He said, I'm afraid that I'll fall. And I said to him, I said, Pedro, know this. If you ever fall, you have family here that will help you get up. I said, I'll help you get up. I said, and if I ever fall, will you promise to help me get up? I said, we're all going to fall. We're all just men. But thank God that he changes us. You know, the things I used to worry about, I don't worry about anymore. The things I used to be concerned about, I'm not concerned about anymore. Worry is a sin. It causes us to doubt God. It's not consistent to preach faith and then to not practice it. Think about it. How much do we say that we as Christians are supposed to live by faith? But then how often do we not practice the faith life? How do we win over worry? Let me give you this last couple thoughts and I'm done tonight. How do we win over worry? The first step is realize that God knows our needs. 
You ever get to that point? Because I have. I've literally said to God, I'll be transparent tonight. God, do you even know that I need this? Boy, that's a sad position to be in. To think that God, who is all-knowing, doesn't know what I need. That he doesn't know that, you know, because often it's what we want, not what we need. And God knows what we need. As a parent, uh, boy, I've had to eat my own words sometimes to my children. You don't need that. You want that. And I know what's best for you. God sometimes says it to us, doesn't it? You don't need that. You want that. But I know what's best for you. God does know what's best for us, doesn't he? God knows what people, what circumstances, hey, even what pressure to put on us so that we go from worry to faith. Sometimes God will put us in such a position where we're so worried, we have no choice but to trust God. And if we don't learn our lesson, we'll live our life in that cycle over and over and over again. How do I win over worry? Realize that God knows our needs How about this? Realize that God's pleasure and my treasure should go together. God's pleasure and my treasure. In other words, if I have something in my treasure that's not according to his pleasure, then I should be willing to give that thing up. Here's the thing. If you own something that you will not give to God, you you do not own it it owns you. It's the truth. Think about it. Sins that does so easy beset us that people cannot give up. They don't own that sin anymore. That sin owns them. Possessions that we won't give to God. When God says, I want this from your life, and we say no, the truth is, we don't own it. It owns us. It's controlling us now. It has become our God, our idol. It's become the Lord of our life. Have we not turned things in our lives into idols, objects of our worship? If you're not careful, listen to me tonight. Some people can become your idols. We live in a culture where they put up people as being idols. Uh, uh, Husbands and wives, your husband, your wife is not to be your God. Uh, uh, in, in, In counseling and marriage, say this all the time. Your spouse is not God to you. I've heard couples say that. Well, I'm relying on my husband. I'm, I'm relying and, my, and the husband. I'm relying on my wife. Relying on my wife for what? For what only God can give? Talk about an unrealistic expectation. You want your spouse to give you what only God can give. Here's the truth. Only God can give peace. Only God can give security. Only God can give rest. You can't put that expectation on someone else. Only God can do those things. We've almost been programmed, trained to rely on people for these things. But only God can give them. You should look to God for these things. Sometimes God takes people and things from us that we worship because he wants our worship. He wants us to look to him for what we need. God's pleasures and our treasures must go together. And then lastly tonight, it's not wrong to own things so long as the things that we own do not own us. There's nothing wrong with owning things. But the truth is, it should be less like ownership and more like stewardship. 
We don't look at life and say, that's mine, that's mine. We say, it's all God's. How much of this God do you want me to keep for myself? And how much of it do you want me to use for others? And all of it should be for the glory of God. All of it. We have been trained in American culture and Christianity that there's a certain aspect, segment, portion of our lives that does not have to bring God glory. There's things in our life that God doesn't care about. Can I remind you this is a simple statement in Scripture? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. God's pretty simple there, isn't it? As he tells us not to worry about what we put on or what we eat, he says that even though you're not to worry about these things, when you do them, eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.